0: Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law
1: and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. I am Amy Gunn, and we recently had a wonderful opportunity to speak at the 43rd annual Arizona Women's Lawyer Association Convention in Phoenix. We decided to record that talk live and to share it with you, our listeners. So please excuse any differences in the quality of our usual audio recordings. This is part one of three episodes from that talk. We hope you enjoy the series.
2: Hi. Hello, everyone Let me introduce everyone to you. I'm Erica Slater.
1: This
2: is Mary Simon, Amy Gunn, Liz Lenovey, and Elizabeth McNulty. Now we have a sixth, Megan Crow, who is the maid of honor in her best friend's wedding this weekend. So we made a pitch to her to so say, like, is that really? <laughs> <a meeting? laughs> oh, She'll forgive you. Weekend. Anyway, we're coming from St. Louis, Missouri, and we are all trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Our law firm, we handle all plaintiffs side law. We mostly do personal injury. We do some mass torts, we do intellectual property, and our firm has been in operation since 2000. Our firm's run by John Simon, Mary's dad, and so having Mary join us has been kind of a full circle moment the last couple of years. Our firm is 13 lawyers, and six of us are women, and one of the things that we did a couple of years ago was decide how we want to spend our time, what do we want to do as far as reaching out to... The broader community and we've started two podcasts within our firm our podcast the heels in the courtroom and then a podcast called the juries out so it's a little bit of a boys versus girls competition <laughs> so the heels in the courtroom we don't invite the boys on that often but the a couple of the male attorneys at our firm do the juries out so we have beat them at least to be keynote speakers at a statewide. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much for this opportunity. We will use that as writing rights for quite some time. So we just want to introduce ourselves to you guys, so you know where we're coming from. Of course, as we go on here, we kind of want to know who we're talking to out here, and we'll survey the room, of course. But as I said, I'm Erica Slater. I grew up in St. Louis. I actually started working in a law firm when I was 15 years old, filing papers and typing envelopes on a typewriter Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. after high school, a couple hours a week. And I actually stayed at that firm until going to law school. So I went to Marquette University in Milwaukee for undergrad and then came back and went to law school at St. Louis University, which most of us did until we get down to the end. (laughs) so i started my career in a defense firm i spent three years there i did clerk at our law firm in law school and through those connections i got back to our firm i practice mostly medical malpractice catastrophic injury trucking accidents product liability here and there so i spend most of my time doing that so let me turn it over to mary simon
3: hi everyone i'm mary simon i just i have to say i love feeling it just feels so powerful this room to be in a room with so many amazing women. It just brings a certain amount of energy to me and also comfort, which I love. My dad founded the Simon Law Firm, and I'm happy to have such an amazing guy in my life. He's one of the good guys, obviously, who encourages things like this to happen, which is awesome. I'm in my, I guess, a little over five years out. I told my dad I would never work at the simon law firm <laughs> i would never stay in st louis i wanted to go to law school but i wasn't going to go to SLU. he went to SLU, and he said that sounds great good luck on whatever you end up doing that was the extent of the pressure that i felt from him which was nothing and uh here i am
1: so <laughs> uh,
3: Gosh, yeah right it worked out and, and now i have a daughter and now in my head i'm thinking okay so that's how my dad got me to do this so now yeah. yeah but anyway i have the same practice areas that erica just talked about and i have a one-year-old at home my husband is also an attorney we met at true law as well stayed in st louis and i just i'm just so excited to be here thank you guys so much for having us here
1: i am amy gunn i consider myself the elder stateswoman of the office and of the group so i Grew up in Kentucky and went to college in Lexington, Kentucky—not University of Kentucky, but Transylvania University, which is a small little liberal arts college right down the street from Rupp Arena. So go Wildcats! Different, <laughs> different Wildcats, but still <laughs> we can all be happy about Wildcats. Um, and uh, went to law school at Saint Louis University, SLU. Met my husband there, who grew up in St. Louis. And when you marry a St. Louis boy, oftentimes you end up in St. Louis. But now that I have two St. Louis boys, 16 and 19, I'm kind of okay with going away and then coming back eventually. I've been practicing for 25 years. I did five years of defense work, slips and falls, trucking, that type of thing, and have been the Simon Law Firm for over 20 years now. All those things are, you know, interesting, but I think to really express who I am and why I love this room, and why I love these women. I am a proud, strong-willed woman who knows what she wants and generally how to get it. I wasn't born with that, although I do think maybe a little bit. Um, (laughs) I mean, a little bit. But um, fiercely independent and deeply loyal and unapologetically ambitious. And in order to really believe those things about myself, I do think you have to go through some things. I think you have to prove it to yourself. And being in the profession of law, I feel like you all probably have felt that or will feel that, hopefully not every day. Although if you do listen to our podcasts, most of the time what we're trying to do is be there for each other and support each other and most importantly share with our listeners some of the crap we go through and how we embrace it to be better on the other side of that. We're here today hopefully to share some of those stories and to answer questions, but also just to be here and to thank you so much for welcoming us in this way. So thank you. Hi everyone.
0: My name is Liz Leneve. I have been at the Simon Law Firm since 2016. It's a weird story of how I got there, but originally I was actually born in South Korea My mom and I came to the United States when I was three years old. I grew up in Southern Illinois, very close to Scott Air Force Base, if anyone else is a military baby here. (laughs) And then, seems to be a common theme here, I went to St. Louis University, except I went for undergrad as well, so I am a double Billiken. Don't ask me what a Billiken is. Nobody (laughs) Nobody (laughs) knows. But I went to St. Louis University for undergrad and then continued for law school, graduated in 2015. While I was a 3L at SLU, I was a law clerk at Simon, specifically working for Amy. I had an incredible experience. I learned so much. And I think the most important thing I learned beyond just the substantive material was that I really loved the work that we were doing and the clients that we represented it and the opportunities that we had to fight for the little guy. I just was really passionate about that. When I graduated, I went to a mid-sized defense firm. Spent a couple of minutes there, I'd say, <laughs> because I was very lucky. Within a couple months of passing the bar and you know having some of that defense experience, Amy actually called me up and said, you know, I'm looking for a new associate. Do you want it? And she did the very gracious thing of you know take some time, talk to your family. And I said, no, I can come. I'm I'm ready. When, when do you need me? When do you? I can put my two weeks in today. Like I'm ready. <laughs> (laughs) And it's funny, the firm I was at is in the same building as the Simon law firm. So I was like, I just got to come upstairs. I'm seven floors away. I'm (laughs) ready. So since 2016, I've been back at Simon working with Amy, as well as the other incredible attorneys we have at our firm. And it has just been a wonderful experience. And I realize how lucky I am. And people remind me how lucky I am, especially because I come from a background. I was the first person in my family to go to college. I had no lawyers in my family, certainly. I didn't grow up knowing any attorneys. The first attorney I met was when I got into college and I had one as a professor. And so this has been such a wonderful experience for me. And I do truly feel blessed, not only for the firm i met, at, but for the women that I get to work with every day. And I understand that this is a very unique experience that I get. And sometimes it still feels like, oh, it's all gonna come crashing down. Like one day, the other shoe's gonna drop. But for now, (laughs) I am so excited to be here with my colleagues and to be here with all of you. And really thank you so much for inviting us. We're truly honored and ecstatic to be here. So thank you all.
4: Hi, y'all. My name is Elizabeth McNulty. I am from a small town in Kentucky. Ironically, the same town that Amy is from, but we didn't know that until a few years ago. So I went to the University of Kentucky for undergrad. I had planned to go there for law school. I knew I would to be a lawyer for a long time. My brother is a lawyer and I had applied to Washington University in St. Louis for law school. I turned them down, put my deposit for UK and that's what I was going to do. Somebody in admissions called me up from WashU and they were like, hey, we'd like to offer you more money. And so I was like, all right, well, so I moved to St. Louis, <laughs> certainly, wasn't, certainly wasn't in my plan, but sort of felt like a bit of fate there. I had a family friend who was involved in a trial attorney bar association in Missouri, and she happened to connect me with Amy. Funny enough, I had just all applied right, for a clerkship <laughs> at the firm, and I didn't put two and two together until we sat, she offered to take me to lunch. You can all probably tell she's quite a force and has, like I've never been around so someone like that before. She's certainly someone to look up to. And in that moment, I was like, well, I really want to work there now. And luckily the stars kind of aligned and the rest is kind of fate. I clerked there all throughout law school, was lucky enough to um, get a full-time offer. So I'm in my third year of practice. I don't work a whole lot with the women up here, which is honestly kind of nice because that means we don't always have to talk about work, which I think is ideal. And I think it sets women apart from men because Whenever I hang out with the guys at the firm, all they talk about is their cases. And honestly, I don't want to talk about that all the time. So (laughs) that's certainly refreshing, but we're so excited to be here and thank you so much for
1: having us. Okay. Okay. We have provided some written materials. They're a little voluminous and they revolve around an ABA study done a few years ago It was the Presidential Initiative on Achieving Long-Term Careers for Women in Law. And there were three studies that came out of that, 2019, 2020, and 2021. The 2019 is Walking Out the Door, The Facts, Figures, and Future of Experienced Women Lawyers in Private Practice. The second one is Left Out, Left Behind. And the third one is In Their Own Words. So we've kind of split up a little bit of going through these studies, we're not going to focus too much on it, more so reiterating probably what most of you know about the practice of law, which is we have a long way to go, particularly in equity partnerships and things like that. And since the theme of this seminar is resilience, it did feel right that we should look at the statistics and look at some techniques and hopefully offer some of the things that we do to stick it out, so to speak. And so, The one that I have is the very first one walking out the door, pardon me for my notes. I mean, we're lawyers, right? We got to take a few notes (laughs) and there are some statistics, you know, women have been coming out of law school in pretty good number for 40 years. I'm a 1996 graduate of law school and we were 50, 50 men to women in that law school class. And that, like I said, is 25 now, 26 years where are we in leadership and this has stumped me for 25 years because you know partnership tracks are you know what 10 years 8 years so where and why do we leave and i only have been able to gather anecdotal evidence of that from talking to colleagues and you know it's not always something you want to be like so why are you leaving but what we've learned and through some of these studies is that the prediction for gender parity in terms of equity partners doesn't happen until 2181. So when I read that, I actually, we were doing some prep for this. I know, right? And I was like, 2081? I said, 2081? That's 60 years from now. And the girls were like, no, that's 100, 160 years. And I can't even get my arms around that, really, and my mind around that. So, I mean, it almost makes you say, well, why bother? Right? I mean... I guess i just need to focus on myself and do what i can do and put my head down and work hard and i know we all do that but just for the fact that y'all are here tells me you care more than just your position in this profession that you are dedicated to the idea that a rising tide lifts all boats and what can we do to make that statistic a little less ridiculous but i do think it starts with feeling recognized in your chosen profession But more importantly, feeling and knowing when you're not recognized. And when is it okay to speak up about that? So a couple more statistics. This data was asking men and women the same questions. And for example, men were asked, do you think you receive recognition for your own work? And women were asked that same question. And 71% of men, we're satisfied that they feel recognized about their own work, but only 50% of women. And then you've got, why do women leave? And this is fascinating to me, to ask a man why a woman leaves the profession. (laughs) Uh, And you'll be not probably surprised to understand there's quite a bit of discrepancy with respect to those numbers. Women leave the profession for a few top reasons. The first is caretaking commitments. Okay, well, that sounds pretty obvious. You know, you got kids and you're responsible for them. But I also think that that transcends just children. I think, I mean, now that I'm 50, my parents are older and I lost my father earlier this year. And I think your attention turns to the caregiving of a different generation. So it doesn't just go away when your children are older. And again, it kind of falls to the women. But then the other thing is, in addition to the caretaking commitments, the next one is stress level at work. And that can be broken down into so many things. And so I wanted to spend a minute kind of talking a little bit about that. And also number of billable hours, just rounding out the list, number of billable hours and emphasis on marketing and rainmaking. And what I wanted to do was kind of take a show of hands, nobody has to participate, but just a hand raising, and how many people here do litigation? What about just the corporate or that type of thing? Some transactional, okay. So the emphasis on marketing, and rainmaking, and I don't think it's because we don't like to market or network. I think we feel like we're boxed out of a lot of it, particularly when it comes to client development. So, but I don't know how to fix, and you know, anybody that listens, we try to fix things. We try to air out issues and try to understand things. And I think that The best I can offer, hopefully a lot of you are going to be like, feeling validated, I think. When I go to things like this, I don't know that I'm going to learn anything particularly new, but I feel really good when I'm validated about some of the things that I do do or think about things that happen. So for caretaking, I think a lot of the reason why women leave the profession for caretaking commitments goes back to stereotypes and biases about what women should be and how we should be perceived. We're the moms. We're the moms or we're the daughters. And it falls to us. It's easy for me to say, forget that shit, because that is the old way to look at things. The thing that goes hand in hand with that stereotype is your personal guilt. And anybody that has listened to the podcast knows I don't do guilt. I don't do it. I don't do regrets and I don't do guilt. And you know, you might chuckle like, that's easy for you to say, yeah, it is. And it's actually pretty easy to do. You might say, well, you know, how do you have friends? I mean, how do, you have, how do people talk to you? Like, what are you talking about? Are you, are you by yourself all the time? And I say, no, I trust myself in my decisions when I make them, that I'm making it not just me in mind, I say, okay, I've got this situation, I've got three things to do today, and they're all conflicting. And so what should I do? And I think it through and I say, okay, I'm gonna choose this one right now, but I'm gonna say something to options B and C, thank you, but I can't, or I promise next week. Then you make your decision and you move on. You don't dwell on it, you don't worry about it, you just make your decision, trust your decision, and move on. So guilt and regret, Forget it. And a lot of it is people putting guilt on you, right? Forget those people. I I mean, I'm not, I know again, it's easy to say, but think about not continuing to allow someone to do that to you and think about who's doing it and why they're doing it and whether you need that person in your life. And then putting guilt on yourself. I don't know how to fix that other than to tell you, you've all done a lot in your lives. If you really stop and think about what you've accomplished, where you've come from, what you've dealt with, you've done a lot, amazing things, tremendous things, and know that and trust that. So why are you putting guilt on yourself when you're powerful, tremendous people? You know, don't do it. And that really does, I think, dovetail into stress at work. There's no way not to have stress at work. I mean, how many people here don't expect stress at their job? <laughs> it's a job. And if you're surprised by your level of stress, that's maybe something you just need to like, embrace. Okay, it's just stress. So what can you do at work to prevent that stress? Just coming down to good delegation, good communication, things like that. But the most important thing I wanted to talk about is work-life balance. I hate that. I hate that. I had caught, co- and I swear I'm not going to take up all the time. Um, but give me a microphone. I have a trial turn. Um So I had coffee a number of years ago with a young woman who was in law school. And she was married, no children yet, had worked a few years before going to law school. We were talking about a particular topic and then we're done with that and so we just talked about life and things like that. And she had been given an offer for a summer job at a large law firm in St. Louis. I was like, wow, that's great. And she's like, yeah, I'm just worried about balancing it all. And it really hit me. And I said, who the hell told you to worry about that? And I said it pretty much just like that. Probably didn't say hell, but it's a clean (laughs) audience. And so she was kind of like shocked and I don't know where it came from in me. And she had to say, I guess I don't know. Who has made this up that it's something to be scared of or worry about? I said, you're gonna worry about it before you even start your job? You're going into it already defeated about the idea that you can't do it, that it has to be a balance. And I just rejected. And I think it's easy for me to say because I'm on this side of it, really. And I take a lot of comfort from the idea that, you know, I've survived it. Anytime we've been through something terrible where you're like, well, hell, at least I've survived that. <laughs> and you just put it in your stash and it helps you do next time. When something bad happens, you're like, well, it's not as bad as that time. And so I worked hard on like, I can't do work life balance. I can't say it. I don't like it. I've struggled. I haven't figured out a new way to do it work. That's a pretty easy thing to put in a category, but life, is everything else, everything else. Yeah, work, and then the entire everything else in the world. And that's not fair. That's not fair to us. And so at the very least, we need three categories, okay? We need work, life, and you. Work, life, and me, whatever you wanna say. It's not catchy. I've been trying hard. (laughs) But that's what I've come up with. And you have to put yourself in that equation. And if you don't, you can't manage your stress very well. You don't know how to be filled up in a way that will give you your energy and your strength to get through the day. So if you are leaving you out of that equation, it's no surprise you're worried about work-life balance because you haven't started with the most important person. So everybody here been on an airplane? Yeah, okay. So you see, you know, you hear the announcement, the mask will come down if you're traveling with children or someone who can't help themselves, put the mask on yourself first. And that's what we need to do. And it feels right. It feels like, what, I've got my two-year-old sitting next to me. I'm not gonna put the mask on my baby first. And the answer is no, you know why? Because if you don't have your mask on, you can't put that mask on that baby if you're not breathing and that's taken a little far, but you know, um, I thought of that on the plane. So anyway, Um, so I think it's taken me time to get there. It's taken my time to believe I deserve that, that I deserve to spend time on myself but you can't think of it as you've earned it or deserved it. It's a necessity. And if you don't know what makes you happy or what fills you up, that's where you need to start today. What makes you happy? And I am shocked by how many blank stares I get with what makes you happy. And you're like, well, I don't have time to think about that. Well, you need to. And it could be as simple, I'm a simple girl, y'all. I like to shop. And I mean, we all got new shoes for this trip, so I'm so happy. You have to know what makes you happy. And it could be anything. It can be anything, big, small, whatever. It doesn't have to be expensive or ornate. It can be something really simple. And you have to make time for it. And anybody that's in your life that loves you, that respects you, that wants you to be successful, should understand that and should believe that. So those are just a few of the things that I've tried to really ponder on, particularly I think since we've been doing this podcast, because we try real hard, you know, we do hard skills and then we do soft skills. That's kind of our formula. Like here's how to do a depot, or here's how to do a cross-examination. And then here's what this jerk said to me the other day, how should I handle it? Mm-hmm. And so we try to do that. And I think we've just been very purposeful in spending time and talking amongst ourselves with how to deal with being the best that we can be. And all of those things come together to me to make the best possible scenario for staying in the profession. Rolling it back around to our topic, which is why do we leave the profession? It comes down to being able to take care of yourself. So you are at your fighting weight for putting up with everything else that goes on in this career. And then finally, just trying to really love what you do. And I do. Absolutely, not every day, no, no, not every day. (laughs) I love the advocacy that law gives us for ourselves and for our clients, whoever your client may be. The power of being able to represent someone and solve their problems, whether you're doing defense work or plaintiff's work, criminal, civil, the power that we have to solve other people's problems is inspiring. That's how I try to think about what I'm able to do in the profession that I've chosen, that I will choose to stay in, and I hope all of you do too.
0: Amy, Liz, Erica, Mary, Elizabeth, and Megan would love to hear from you. Send your thoughts to comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law and subscribe today.